Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning. Good morning, beloved family. It's good to be with you. I um, apologize. We do not have internet today, but um, I'm glad that we could be together uh, by audio. Um, It's a gorgeous day here in Tyler, Texas, and God is on his throne. It's where he always is. Say, well, where is God? Look at the state of the world. Look at what's happening in the church. Um, and I say he's the same place he was when his son died on the cross, when he allowed us to kill his son on the cross, when God himself sent his son to die. He has never left his throne. God is willing that none perish, but that every single soul be saved. And he knows what he's doing. Our God in heaven uh, is perfect in all his ways. He's loved beyond any human understanding. He's wisdom beyond anything we will ever know. And he is perfect, perfect in his ways, and nothing touches us that he doesn't allow. Absolutely nothing touches us that he doesn't allow. There's an enormous amount of evil in the church today from all ends, uh, from our shepherds, from uh, those within the church, from those without the church, tremendous amount of evil in the world. Um, but the thing that God has given us, the enormous gift, is faith and the ability to know him and to have eternal life. And that eternal life, as you know, does not begin when we die. It begins here on earth, the moment that we have faith and truly believe and have the grace to live the faith. We have been going through the Catechism Explained, which is the Catechism of Trent, as things get worse, and I think they're going to get a lot worse still, uh, and I think darkness, further darkness is close upon us, and I, I keep harping on the Catechism Explained. It's the Catechism of Trent because I think it's, as far as I know, the best book around to truly learn the whole faith and to teach it to your families. It is something on the order of the Baltimore Catechism question and answer, but all the answers are explained in great detail, and uh, you won't need a scholar or a theologian at home with you. It's truly wonderful. So um, I'd like to continue uh, as long as we can, and we are just beginning today on Chapter 7, which is titled on the absence and the loss of faith, and I know that many, even those listening, do not have faith or you've lost your faith, or you, your children have, have lost the faith, um, and what to do about that, and, and um, how does that happen? So chapter 7 tells us that, and it begins by saying that faith is the road to heaven. There's no other way, beloved. Faith is the road to heaven. Unhappily, there are very many who are wanderers and strangers to the Christian faith. Number one, those who do not possess the Christian faith are either heretics or infidels. Heretics are those who reject 
someone or more of the truth revealed by God. Heretics are those who hold to some of the doctrines revealed by God and reject others. Those who induce others to a false belief are called leaders of heresy or arch heretics. It is always pride that leads them away from the truth. Among these arch heretics was Arius, a priest of Alexandria, who denied the divinity of Christ and was condemned at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. Macedonius, who denied the divinity of the Holy Spirit and was condemned at the Council of Constantinople in AD 381. Martin Luther, who assailed the divine institution of the papacy and the right of the church to teach. Henry VIII, King of England, who threw off the authority of the Pope and proclaimed himself the head of the church in England because the Pope refused to declare invalid his valid marriage with the Queen, uh, Queen Catherine. Dollinger, who was a professor in the University of Munich and was celebrated for his literacy, his literary labors, but on the definition of the infallibility of the Pope, refused to accept the dogma and was excommunicated. He died in 1890 without being reconciled or giving any sign of repentance. Dollinger was the chief mover in the establishment of the sect of, quote, old Catholics. Most of the founders of heresy were either bishops or priests. They are like the, and it's true today, dear ones. It's the same thing today. Most of the founders of heresy were either bishops or priests, and that includes the chief bishop of Rome. They are like the coiners of false money who put into circulation worthless metal in the place of the pure gold of truth, or like dishonest traders who mix the pure wine of the gospel with some injurious compound. They are murderers of souls, for they take men away from the road that leads to eternal life and tempt them into that which leads to eternal death. It is of them that our Lord says, woe to them by whom scandals come. And again, he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in clothing of sheep, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Matthew chapter 7. Their object is not to spread the faith in its purity, but to satisfy their own evil inclinations, their pride, their sensual desires, or their love of money. Their religious teaching is only a cloak for these. They look out for the weak side of human nature as Satan does. Thus Luther tempted princes with the spoil of churches and monasteries and priests with the bait of marriage. To the class of heretics belong also those schismatics who accept or profess to accept all Catholic doctrine but will not acknowledge the supremacy of the Holy See. Thus, the Greek church is a schismatical church, though its denial of papal infallibility constitutes it, since the Vatican Council heretical also. So here we can. The Greek church is a schismatical church. Its denial of papal infallibility constitutes it to be schismatical, since the Vatican Council heretical also. 
In other words, they they denied papal infallibility since Vatican I. Heresy is one of the greatest of all sins when it is not the result of invincible ignorance. And beloved, only God knows the heart. Only God knows those who are invincibly ignorant, meaning ignorant, not no knowledge of the truth, ignorant not through their own fault. That's invincible if it's not through their own fault. God alone knows those. St. Paul writes to the Galatians. Um, Hold on. He says that if an angel from heaven preached to them any gospel different from that they had received, he was to be anathema or accursed. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. St. Jerome says that there is no one so far removed from God as a willful heretic. At the same time, He who lives in heresy through ignorance, for which he is not himself to blame, is not a heretic in the sight of God. Thus those who are brought up in Protestantism and have no opportunity of obtaining a sufficient instruction in the Catholic religion are not heretics in the sight of God, for in them there is no obstinate denial or doubt of the truth. They are no more heretics than the man who takes the property of another unwittingly as a thief. Is a thief. I'll repeat that. They are no more heretics than the man who takes the property of another unwittingly as a thief. He doesn't know it's owned by somebody else. Rationalists or unbelievers are those who will not believe anything unless they can either perceive it with their senses or comprehend it with their understanding. Thus, St. Thomas was an unbeliever when he refused to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ unless he should put his finger into the sacred wounds of our Lord's Lord's hands and feet and put his hand into his side, John chapter 20. There are many in the present day like St. Thomas. They will believe nothing except what they can see with their eyes or grasp with their reason. All else, such as all the mysteries of the faith they reject. Unbelief, says John, St. John Chrysostom, is like a sandy soil that produces no fruit, however much rain falls upon it. The unbeliever does God the same injustice that a subject would do his king if he refused to acknowledge his authority in spite of the clearest proofs of it. Unbelief springs, for the most part, from a bad life. That's a strong statement, beloved. I know that. And you could say, but I know very many good people, Protestants included, they lead a very faithful life, more than some Catholics. They don't lead a bad life. What gives with that? We'll talk about that further when we come back from the break, beloved. Um, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one eight seven seven. 511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com and we will take your calls and your emails following the second break. We'll be right back, dear ones.
Joe McLean here, host of A Catholic Take, heard on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. A bold synthesis of information and inspiration, keeping you up to date on the news and issues that you may have missed from a courageous Catholic perspective. That's A Catholic Take, weekday morning, 7 a.m., right here on the Station of the Cross and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Download it today. God love you. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. station of the cross we proudly bring the truths of the catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices and we're grateful for the feedback we've received i'm a widower parent of three almost adults and listen to you guys around the clock father mctig society of jesus he's wonderful mother miriam of course the divine office and many other great things that station of the cross does so thanks very much for your great work i had a friend at work email me and tell me about the station of the cross a couple months after it started and i was so excited i tuned into it and i found that i love the catholic station if you've been blessed by listening to the station of the cross let us know call 1-877-888-6279 extension 112 then share your testimonial with us Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm live but not by video today. This is uh, audio. We don't have video. I'm so sorry, but we think we'll have it tomorrow. Um, we are in the middle of um, the uh, seventh chapter now of the Catechism Explained, um, whose title is On the Options and Loss of Faith. And we began by saying faith is the road to heaven. Um, unhappily, there are very many who are wanderers and strangers to the Christian faith. Those who do not possess the Christian faith are either heretics or infidels. Now I'm going to take up where we just left off, um, which says that unbelief, for the most part, springs from a bad life. The the, uh, the Reverend Barago, who's a commentator here at the Catholic um, the Catechism Explained, the Catechism of Trent Explained, says the sun is clearly reflected in pure and clear water, but not in dirty water. So it is with men. A man of blameless life easily finds his way to the truth, but the sensual man does not perceive the things that are the Spirit of God, First Corinthians chapter 2. A mirror that is dim reflects badly or not at all. So the soul, which is a mirror on which the light falls from God, cannot receive the truth of faith 
if it is dimmed by a vice. I tell you, dear ones, that was um, a painful statement for me when I, after 18 years of Protestantism, was looking into the Catholic Church, and I could not imagine that I had anything more this side of him than my evangelical, uh, fervent evangelical Christianity. I was in heaven with it, and I was not open to look into the Catholic Church because I knew who God was. I knew the scriptures. I read the Bible through every year. I taught it. I, I knew what it meant. I knew what it said. I knew what I believed. Um, and I wasn't going to leave God or tempt myself by any doctrine that certainly seemed heretical to me, which is what the Catholic Church seemed. And and my, my brother David, who became Catholic 16 years before me, would say, Ros, Rosalind, my given name, Rosalind Moss, he would say, Ros, um, if you're open to seeking God, you'll find him. And I, I would get, I would so angry. David, I don't have to seek God. I have him. I found him. He found me. I'm not searching for him. And now I understand what David was saying. And it's what we just read now. Um, because even though I had been brought to faith very deeply and strongly as an evangelical, I had no clue there was more. I wasn't looking for more, always to only know and love God more and make him known. But I had no doubt about what I believed. Um, I wasn't seeking God. But so was my heart pure? No, because we're sinners. We're all fallen. We all see through a glass dimly. And God brought me to a point where I wasn't afraid. Well, I still was afraid. But I at least could say, trusting him, that uh, if there's more, if there's truth in the Catholic Church to show me and help me not be afraid, because where truth is, God is. I don't have to be afraid of that. But I am afraid of being led astray. And so I asked him truly to show me um, and to lead me. And somebody gave me a, a little card once. And it said, actually, when I left my Protestant church uh, to look into the Catholic church, I didn't tell them I was looking into the Catholic church. They, they knew I was going to study the faith, hopefully to be a missionary. And they gave me a card. And ironically, it was a quote from St. Thomas Aquinas, the Catholic. And he said, um, oh, dear, how can, I can't forget that. Um, that he, let him, um, may God, it said, may God guide thy way, who himself is thine everlasting end, that every step be swift or slow, till to himself may that. May God guide thy way, who himself is thine everlasting end, that every step be swift or slow, still to himself may tend. I kept, and it was Catholic who wrote that, and it was my Protestant church who gave it to me, um, and I kept that card on my desk through my four and a half years of organizing journey into the Catholic church, and God answered that prayer. He himself did guide my way, that every step be swift or slow to himself my tend, and it certainly did. And Blessed be his name through my fear and stubbornness and, 
um, truncated views, though sincere, but uh, truncated. Um, he brought me into the full measure of the church that he founded on, church, on earth, the full um, the fulfillment, utter fulfillment of Judaism in full measure of Christianity. I'm not worthy, I'm not smarter than others, total gift of God. And so, um, uh, I'm, I'm just a very grateful soul. Um, the second point here uh, that Reverend Sparago has given is faith is for the most part lost. It is lost either one by indifference to the doctrines of faith, two, by willful doubt respecting the truth of faith, three, by reading books or other literature that is helpful to the faith, four, by frequenting the assemblies of those who are helpful to the faith, and five, by neglecting the practice of one's religion. He who through culpable indifference does not trouble himself about the doctrines of faith, gradually loses the gift of faith. He is like the plant that is not watered, or the lamp that is not filled with oil. Such men know that they are very ignorant of their religion, and yet they take no pains to get instructed. They are engrossed with this world. They never pray or hear a sermon. And if they are parents, they take no pains to get their children properly instructed. Perhaps they fancy themselves men of enlightenment and look with pity and contempt on those who are conscious and earnest in the practice of their religion. The body must be nourished, else it will perish from hunger. The soul must be nourished, else it too will perish. Its nourishment is the teaching of Christ. He himself says in his conversation with the woman of Samaria, but the water that he would give her, that is his divine doctrine, should be to her a well of water springing up unto life everlasting. John chapter 4. And in the synagogue of Capernaum, Jesus said, John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall not hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. This is why the careful instruction of children and of converts is so all-important. When converts fall away, the cause very often is that they have not been well instructed before their reception into the church. The Catholic must not suppose that he is freed from the study of the doctrines of faith because he has been duly instructed in his youth. The plant must be watered even when it is grown up. The soul of the adult needs to renew its acquaintance with the truth of faith by hearing sermons, reading pious books, etc., else it will soon lose the vigor of its faith. He who allows himself willfully to doubt of any of the doctrines of the church commits a serious sin against faith. I'm going to repeat that. He who allows himself willfully to doubt of any of the doctrines of the church commits a serious sin against faith and is sure, little by little, to lose his faith altogether. That house is sure to fall of which the foundations are loosened. He who doubts any revealed truth 
seriously offends God. Sarah, Abraham's wife, Sarah doubted God's promise that she should bear a son in her old age and was reproved by God for her incredulity. Genesis chapter 18. Zacharias doubted the announcement of the angel that John uh, the Baptist should be born to him and as a punishment lost for a time the power of speech Luke chapter 1. Yet doubts that come into our minds involve no sin. Doubts involve no sin if we do not willfully consent to them. If doubts come into our mind, we should not argue with them, but should make an act of faith and pray for more faith. Those, however, who are outside the church and have not the faith are bound, if they doubt, to search and inquire until they have found the truth. With them, doubt is not sin. So long as their search after truth is made in a spirit of humility and with a sincere desire to arrive at truth. Faith is also destroyed by the reading of books hostile to the faith. In this way, John Huss, who disseminated false doctrine over Bohemia, is said to have been corrupted by the works of the English heretic Wycliffe. It was the writings of Luther that chiefly contributed to the apostasy of Calvin and Zwingli. Julian the Apostate, apostate in A.D. 363 is said to have lost his faith by, the, by reading the writings of the heretic Libanius during his expedition in Nicomedia. In the present day, the books against the faith are countless. Among the most mischievous are the works of Rousseau, Voltaire, Zola, Renan, Gibbon, Ingersoll, Huxley, etc. And again, when this was written, the Catechism of Trent is the 16th century. So all of these are 16th century and before. The church, like a good mother, seeing how books dangerous to the faith were on the increase, established in 1571 the Congregation of the Index, through which the Apostolic See forbids to Catholics a number of books which are judged to be a source of danger to faith and morals. Beloved, you say, well, who, who is the Catholic Church to decide for us? We need to decide for ourselves. No, we don't. A mother must decide books that are healthy for her children and keep from them. Keep from her children books that are damaging. And so the Catholic Church is our mother and needs to do exactly the same. Anyone who reads such books, prints them, or even has them in his possession without permission from his ecclesiastical superiors, incurs the penalty of excommunication reserved to the Pope. The penalty, however, is not incurred by anyone who reads such a book without knowing that it was forbidden. At one time, all books had to be sanctioned by the bishop of the diocese, but this was afterwards limited to books touching on religion. By these means, the church sought to preserve the purity of Christian doctrine. Many, too, have lost their faith by habitually reading newspapers hostile to the faith. As the body cannot remain in health if it is fed, 
with unwholesome food, so the mind becomes diseased. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and then it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 27th. Today we celebrate St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Brushes with serious illness, as well as the early death of his mother and his favorite sister, prompted today's saint to believe that he was called to religious life. He entered the Passionist Novitiate in 1856, taking the name Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Ever popular and cheerful, Gabriel sought to be faithful in little things. His spirit of prayer, love for the poor, consideration for the feelings of others, and his personal penances impressed everyone. As he prepared for the priesthood, Gabriel's superiors had great expectations, but after only four years of religious life, he developed tuberculosis. He patiently and quietly bore the painful effects of the disease and the restrictions it required. Gabriel died in 1862 at age 24. The parallels between his life and that of St. Therese, the little flower, are compelling. Both died of tuberculosis at 24, emphasized that sanctity lies in small acts of kindness, and were known for their cheerfulness. But there was one key difference. Therese left behind her autobiography, The Story of a Soul. Shortly before he died, Gabriel discarded notes he had been keeping on his spiritual life. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half whatever is on your heart. Um, again, call toll anonymously. Whatever helps you most is is absolutely fine. Again, the toll free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the dot com. And just to clarify, we are on audio, not video as well. The video will be back tomorrow. We have Anthony and I have a call. On the Canadian side, hello, Anthony. Hello, Mother Miriam. Hi, sweetheart. How are you doing? Well, uh, I've had a, a, a good life and a tragic life at the same time. And uh, mm. I, uh, how can I say, uh, well, I was involved with a gal who uh, ended up having an abortion. I didn't go there, but mm. she did, even though I asked her to marry me. Mm. And then uh, when I did get married, our firstborn died in my arms. Oh, Anthony, how old was that baby? She was, uh, she was 20. How old was the little one? 
twenty. She was born at twenty four weeks or twenty six weeks. Oh, and didn't make it. Right. She was born in nineteen eighty eight. Just when they were finding wow. out how to deal with these babies, and and then after that, we did have another two children. But then my my. I, I I was in a drunken stupor. I was addicted to pornography and all that. Uh, bad stuff. And I had biker friends and things like that. And then I had an accident at work. And I was to beat the doctors prescribing the opioids beyond opioids. And I went through an opioid psychosis. And anyway, it's just one thing after another. And uh, I do go to church. I have gone to confession. Um, but it just, I find myself where it's despair, you know, I, I don't, uh, my good friends that I had around me are gone or they're far. Is your wife, are happy. your wife and children separated from you? Yes, I don't, my kids hardly talk to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, I ended up in a, in a place, in a home, uh, and I felt compassion for this gal, and she's cognitively like a 15-year-old girl kind of thing, but I asked her uh -huh. to live with me, and she's living with me, and uh, it wasn't for the physical, it was more for the companionship. Uh-huh. And uh, like uh, when I did go to confession, I asked uh, to be forgiven for my present sins, my past sins, and my future sins, and I don't know if mm -hmm. that would... Uh, be enough. Uh, uh, my my dad died when I was twenty. Then I found out I was adopted, and I was adopted into an Italian family. And when all my uncles and my, actually when my father passed away, I didn't realize, but they were calling me an Indian boy behind my back. And uh, anyway, mm -hmm. like so, so a lot of these like I have a uh, like I say, my life's broken, and I'm. And I despair quite a bit, and I don't know how to just, you know, am I in mortal sin with this girl? I mean, the physical isn't isn't the, the part that that that's. I just I'm just broken. I don't know what to do. Okay, sweetheart. Do you uh, believe that you're Catholic? Are you Catholic? Yes. Okay, and you've gone to confession. Yeah. Uh, if you've gone to confession and you've truly confessed all your sins and the priest has absolved you, then you are forgiven. Then you're not living in mortal sin as long as you refrain from sin. Um, if you go to confession and you know that you can continue in sin, sexual sin with this young lady or lady who is young mentally, um, then the confession is not valid. It's, all, it's valid when you have a firm purpose of amendment to no longer continue in that sin. Um, so that that's one thing, Anthony. You you must um, uh, you must uh, be separate from her sexually, and you must find a place for her to live. She should not be living with you. Okay, but let me say this. When I am tempted to despair, and that's been a few times in my life, what snaps me out of it, Anthony, is that despair is mortal sin. Despair will separate me from God. 
the Catholic Church teaches that despair, not discouragement, which is not good either, because discouragement is a tool of the devil. It means we give in to the devil, not to God. But despair, what Judas did, is to say there's no hope. When we despair, we abandon hope, and to abandon hope is to abandon God. So in despair, you're really saying there's no God, even though you say, no, I'm not the only God, but you are. Because um, with God, there's always hope, because nothing's impossible for God. So if we let ourselves despair, we have turned from God, even if that's not our intention. So the first thing, dear brother, I would say is to utterly make yourself snap out of it. For example, if you were in a building that's burning, and let's say you're numb to pain, and you don't know that you're dying, but all of a sudden you can feel pain, and you're burning up, even if you're hopeless or feel all that, you would get out of the building. You wouldn't just stand there and let your body burn up. That's what you need to do now. That desperate. You need to just make a decision to get out of despair and say, Lord, I'm in awful shape. I'm a sinner. I haven't been living right. My life's been a mess. Um, It's been sad. It's been awful. Um, It's depressing. But I'm not going to stand here and be burned up and go to hell. I'm out of it. You just need to make that decision, snap out of it. Um, I'm not saying anything is easy, but you need to make that decision. Anthony, my suggestion would be, dear one, that is there a priest who, a holy priest, that you can trust and talk to? Uh, Yeah, there's probably a few that I could go to. Um, Yeah. All right, but I I want you to go to the one, I'm gonna pray for you to choose the priest who will be tremendously understanding, very sympathetic to your pain and your life of uh, tragedy and pain and suffering and all of that, but who will not give in, who will really help you out of it. You know what you're in the position to do, Anthony? You're in a position to become a real saint. I wish I could think of the saint who, um, I, I don't know his name, and I forget most of his story, but he was a father of a little girl, and he became an alcoholic. And he was so bad in his sin that he took the dress off his little daughter and sold it for money to get alcohol. He was that desperate. And he's a saint today. He became a saint. So those who have gone through great suffering, not you haven't gone through suffering in a, um, a model of uh, heroism. Your life has been one of one tragedy after another filled with sin. But Anthony, um, the way out is to say, Lord, um, yes, I'm sorry for everything. And I know that suffering was, I'm also the victim of, of much, but I also have made choices. And I'm sorry for them all. And I know, dear Lord, you can take a life 
that has been lived in the pit and make a saint out of me. And there are millions of people who are on the verge of suicide or who are living horrible, horrible lives of despair and depression. And Lord, I know what it's like. And if you will turn my life around, if you will make me a saint, if you will uh, help me to live as a holy man of God, I will be a saint for you to bring others out of the pit and despair. That's what I wish, Lord. Help me to find a place for this woman who's living with me. Help me to get a good holy priest as a spiritual director. And help me to be a saint in everything I do from now on. Totally turn my life around, Lord. I'm not saying uh, that I think it'll be easy on my end. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be holy and to be your man of God in this very broken world. Is that something you might desire, Anthony? Well, uh, a lot of times I pray that I wish I could walk by and just touch somebody like the Lord did and heal them. Well, you can. God will, you can. You can do that. Whether God will do it through you physically or like he did at the woman of the well. He didn't touch her physically and she was completely healed. Come see a man who told me all my sins. Come see him. Is he the Messiah? Come see. He didn't touch her. So God could work through you to heal people uh, miraculously. He could do that. But that's not his normal means, but he could do it. But he could heal them through you. Because you could become such a saint on earth, such a man of God, and you'll tell people about Jesus, and they'll say, you don't have any clue what, I, what I'm like or what I've been through. And you'll say, on the contrary, I do. And you'll tell them your life. And they'll stand there in unbelief. I can tell you this, Mother Miriam. The, the one time I, one, one part of my life when I was going to church, uh, I, I, because I was shaking and I had all these things and I, whatever, um, I would sit on one side of church like I would sit on the right side of the pew, and the whole church would sit on the other side of the church. Three, four hundred people, all, not one person would sit on the same side as me in that church. That's kind of quite incredible. Why? Did they know you were an alcoholic? Or did you, why would they do that? What do you think sent them away from you? Um, well, I, I, I have a knowledge of the mafia. And a lot of them were Italian and Southern Italian, and I always had a problem with that because uh, uh, my father one time was offered $200,000 in the 60s, and he said no. And he said to me, Well, they're not going to know you have a problem with the mafia. How would that affect them? Well, because maybe they were part of it, I guess. Okay. Anthony... Uh, If that happens again, go to another church. Do what you need to do to be a saint. You say, I'm coming here. This doesn't work. I'm a changed man. I'm determined to be a saint on earth. I want to be a spiritual director. Somebody actually call when I'm tempted to give up. 
and I'll go to a different church. They don't have a clue about me. They don't know me. And I'm going to be a saint in their midst. Anthony, do it as an act of your will and ask God for the grace. He will not fail you. I promise you this. I know this personally. I know this, Anthony. I'll have some, I haven't told about this uh, um, uh, personally, but I've had tragedy in my youth. And I was a jail chaplain for 12 years. And the women would come in and spit at me. And she said, what do you know? And then I would tell them what I know. And their lives would change. You're in the same boat, Anthony. I'm telling you, my dear brother, and I will pray for you. As of now, not the future, not tonight, be a saint. Find a place for that woman to live. Find a church where people don't know you. And walk with God as Saint Anthony, your namesake on earth. Give me a call in and let me know how you're doing. Will you do that, Anthony? Yes, I'll call you again, Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. It raises the question, I think, for a convert like me or for a cradle Catholic is, why are we seeing the human leadership of the Catholic Church steer the Church in a direction that doesn't seem consistent with Catholicism of the last 1900 years? That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. At the Station of the Cross, we are blessed by the variety of donations our listeners generously contribute for our evangelization efforts. From planned gifts to employer matches, we even receive donations through transfers of stock. Please consider giving a gift of stock to help us continue sharing the love of God with our hurting world. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's one 877 888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live by audio today, not by video. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back on video tomorrow. But again, you're welcome to call in. We're live with anything at all on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
this is our final segment. We have 10 minutes and our lines are open. And we have a call from Joseph in Florida. Hello, Joseph. Good morning, Mother. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for holding on the line, dear one. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. So my uh, my question, Mother, is about the TLM and uh, the persecution that's going on about this mess. Mm-hmm. And I feel empathy for the people that are going through this because oh, you yes. can hear their, their messages and their stories and they have real suffering. But something I've been praying about after going to the TLM for 30 years on and off. Wow. And let me just say, for those who don't know what the initials mean, it's the traditional Latin mass. Go ahead, Joseph. So more often on, though, but loving, loving the liturgy, beautiful liturgy, I feel like this persecution, and it is a persecution, is an invitation to Christ's suffer. And that maybe this community should start seeing it as that rather than trying to fight it. The persecution is going to come for all of us. Uh, you know, they're just the first of it. So that maybe uh, accepting whatever might happen and then what I've been feeling is going to Novus Order and cringing at so many things that... You actually, you, you were in, you're in Calvary. You, you're at the mocking. You could see that you could feel the mocking going on. And so that uh, with this invitation, accept it rather than fight it. Because you, you're not going to fight it. And you could end up actually, you know, running away from the church itself. Where, you know, I mean, from way back when I had experience with the elders of the SSPX looking for donations for building materials for the building their church and claiming Pope John Paul II drank the blood of animal, animals in 1987 at the St. Francis of Assisi ecumenical thing. So they're really not nice people. I'm, to, I'm not talking about the people. Well, let, let me know. I'm going to stop. Don't generalize. You may have met some, but don't generalize. I met many from the SSPX and are holy, holy uh, men of God. So um, are they in schism? Uh, I still say yes because, again, I take my authority as Cardinal Burke and Father Gerald Murray and and others. Um, uh, They believe uh, Pope Francis is the Pope. They pray for the Pope. Uh, it's, It's quite a... Um, a conundrum, but uh, I, I don't want to generalize because we want some. But let me say this, Joseph. I would say both. Um, we don't accept the. Per- it is a persecution of the traditional Latin Mass. No question, it is a persecution, and I, I don't say we accept it as such. Um, I say we we accept it as persecution, but we don't. Uh, let it go. Uh, we don't accept it. Rather than fight, we we understand what's going on, and we fight both because we don't roll over in the face of heresy and persecution. We never do that. That's not an example of all the saints and of all the church fathers. We fight what is unjust, but again, we trust. And I think this is in part what you're saying that God has allowed it. He knows what it takes to build his church, to purify his church, 
and to allow this great um, um, heresy and, and persecution to come upon his church to purify it. And as, uh, I sent out a, an email, Joseph, uh, maybe two weeks ago now, and it was a, a video of Michael Matt of the Remnant. Um, and Michael, as you probably know, goes to the TIA. He's not SSPXCC, but he goes to the traditional mass, has all his life. He's a, he's a wonderful man of God. And what he said is that he believes that all oh, the persecution coming upon us and the whole great reset of the outside of the world that the, the Pope's involved in also, um, is, um, uh, he, he, he says it's, it's a result of our sins, and it's making Catholics wake up, and I absolutely believe that. Catholics are finally waking up and finally going back to their faith, which they left. I don't think, I agree with him that the world would not be in the shape it is, and Michael Voris is saying, the world would not be in the shape it is if Catholics truly live their faith. But we are in the world and of it instead of being in the world and not of it. Um, Joseph, this doesn't apply to you personally, but uh, you're very aware, and I think you know that Catholic divorce is the same as the world. Abortion among so-called Catholics is the same as the world. Uh, immodesty is the same. Uh, you cannot tell Catholics apart from the world for the most part. And we are God's instruments to evangelize the world. And we have not done that. Shame on us. And so God has allowed our apathy to uh, be persecuted. And I think Michael Matt is correct in saying that we are waking up finally and becoming uh, uh, awake to our faith and beginning to live it even more so, which is why the traditional Latin Mass is coming out of the seams. So many young families, so many people going over to the traditional Latin Mass. I bless God for it. So Joseph, dear one, I bless God for your faith, but I would say we accept everything that happens. We accept evil as God allowing it. This is evil. This is just evil. Um, but we accept it as God having allowed it, but we don't roll over and uh, we fight it. Cardinal Burke has said, Cardinal Burke, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, and others have said that the Pope has no authority to shut down or change the traditional Latin Mass. It is not his to play with. It is the Church's. He is the guardian of tradition, not the destroyer of it, not the inventor of it, not the changer of it. He has no authority to change it or shut it down. And my, my heart, dear Joseph, would be, as Bishop Snyder said, we must resist this, Cardinal Burke, we must resist it. If bishops give in to what is an evil, they're going to give the Holy Father a power that he does not possess, the same way when people gave in to Hitler. They gave Hitler a power he didn't have, but they obeyed him and they gave in. And I beg bishops to not give in to this because the Pope is doing what he has no power to do. And children are to obey their parents in everything but sin. Um, the same thing with the Holy Father. We are to obey the Holy Father and bishops to obey the Holy Father, but not in a matter of sin, not giving him authority that he doesn't have. The proper answer to this is to resist. 
I'm sorry I went on a little tirade, Joseph. Haven't given you much time to respond, but go ahead if you if you have a response. So yes, and so but in the, in the same vein, you you wouldn't I, at least for myself in my own prayer life, I wouldn't want to see anybody head towards the SSPX for this reason. Well, let's let the because, SSPX because go. We're not. We're talking about the either the tradition traditional outmass or Nova Soil. Let's not bring the SSPX. I understand that. I understand, sweetheart. So if you have to go to an S, uh, Novus Ordo, okay. But I, I will see uh, the church go underground and Cardinal um, Pope Benedict XVI predicted the church would go underground in our lifetime. So I would say we need to do everything we can to fight this injustice, which is simply an evil. Um, I understand you, Joseph, and I'm with you on that. God bless you, beloved. We'll speak with you tomorrow.